Hi everyone, I'm HB Braincase. And I'm JR Skinny Cat. And welcome back to Read DCAU. Or for those of you that feel a certain wing granting energy drink focuses a little too much on the male of the species, Red, Red Cow. Cow. Your DC Animated Universe Rewatch Podcast. This week we're going to be talking about episode 7 of the series, directed by Kevin Altieri, previously directing On Leather Wings, the very first episode. With the story by Sean Catherine Derrick and Lauren Bright. The teleplay is by Mitch Bryan, and the composer is none other than JR's favorite. Shirley! Shirley Walker. Yes. Just a quick note up top if we talk about the animation quality of the series going forward, we are watching the Blu ray version that was released in October of 2018. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the episode. It's nighttime in Gotham City, and Officer Renee Montoya and her new partner, Rookie Officer Wilkes, are racing through the city to try and meet up with Harvey Bullock in time to take part in a sting operation set up by the Gotham PD. The music in the episode starts off very whimsical and turns quite heavy and dark, because as it turns out, the warehouse they've arrived at is on fire. Speaking of whimsical, they also come right out of the gate with the terrible puns we've become accustomed to. Wilkes says he's never been on a sting before, and Montoya tells him it ought to be a hot one right before they show up, and they see the burning building. Wilkes even says hot is right, right after they pull up. After discovering the burning building, they also find Detective Harvey Bullock groaning in pain and barely conscious. Well, Montoya scolds Bullock for not waiting for them, a couple of thugs run out of the building, and Montoya tells Wilkes to go after them while she searches the warehouse for any stragglers. Montoya is voiced by Ingrid Oliu and is a very strong female character. In a previous episode, Pretty Poison, she was the officer ordered to guard Harvey Dent in the hospital when he was poisoned. In the comic Gotham Central, which focuses on the police department in Gotham, we find out she's a lesbian. In a different arc, she becomes a superhero herself, which we will talk about later. I am looking forward to hearing more about Montoya's superhero escapades. But in this scene, Bullock struggles to his feet as Montoya rushes into the building and sees Batman on the roof before he passes out. The next scene cuts to Bullock, Montoya, and Wilk sitting under a giant spotlight while the yet unnamed Lieutenant Hackle from Internal Affairs berates them while Commissioner Gordon objects to the whole process. A note about the interrogation room they're in, by the way, it must be... Huge. I'm pretty sure this is like a high school auditorium or something because they're in a single spotlight that's probably about 15 feet across. It has Gordon's desk, Hackle walking back and forth, seating for all three of them, and we still can't see the walls. Also in this scene, Bullock is trying to eat a candy bar, highlighting his priorities in life. Meanwhile, Hackle knocks the candy bar out of Bullock's hands and rants that the sting took months to set up and the police department has lost the $2 million they put up as bait. He demands to know who is responsible for the fiasco and even suggests that one of the three officers in front of him is on the take. Commissioner Gordon angrily demands that Hackle allows the officers to explain their sides of the story. It's from here where we go into the set of scenes that gives the episode its name. Over the course of the interrogation, we're going to hear each officer tell their story the way they remember it, while also seeing the truth of what happened animated on screen. The biggest dichotomy between these two is with Bullock's story, which we're going to approach a little differently than the others, where we explain the lie that Bullock tells, and then we're going to go back and discuss what actually happened in the scene because it is so different. Bullock is the first person to tell his side of the story, and the episode will present each of these with a voiceover of each character describing their version of events. 
but with us seeing the truth animated on screen. This is the theme of the episode where it gets its title POV, meaning point of view. So, of course, in Bullock's story, he is quick to put the blame on Batman. He claims Montoya and Wilkes were late, so he had to go in alone. He says he saw Batman enter the warehouse and had to follow him in because he was afraid that Batman would tip the criminals off to the raid that was about to happen. In this section, if you listen closely in the background, you can hear a very impressive bells part being played. You do have to listen closely because Bullock says when he entered the warehouse, he heard a loud noise saying it was most likely Batman who alerted the crooks inside because Batman is known for his loud noises as evidenced in the previous episode where he tripped over a bunch of cans. True. After the crooks were alerted, Bullock had to fight them off, inadvertently starting a fire. Fortunately, Bullock was able to save Batman after he'd been knocked out and dragged him outside the warehouse. He wishes. Seriously, he's the worst. He really is. The truth of the story, though, is that Bullock got to the warehouse, entered immediately without waiting for the other officers. Here we see the thieves trying to break into a safe, And a very strange close-up happens when the one drilling into the safe exclaims, Got it! The thief in question who says, Got it, by the way, is very cleverly named Driller in the credits and is voiced by none other than Ron freaking Perlman. This is pretty early in his career. He was fresh off of the live-action Beauty and the Beast series and will eventually go on to appear in three more episodes of Batman the Animated Series, lending his voice to, among other characters, Clayface. That being said... The loud noise that Bullock mentioned earlier and he blamed on Batman is actually himself tripping over a paint can, alerting the thieves to his presence, and he gets into a fight with them. As he's fighting them, one of them tries to swing an axe at his head. He ducks, causing the thief to hit the fuse box, which sends sparks up and starts the fire. The music in this section is amazing. There's a beautiful use of theme music and emotional expression. The music is definitely great, and just a couple more quick notes about this scene. Bullock is actually a far more capable fighter than I would have expected, given how lazy he seems in other scenes. Right. Also, the gray-haired thief we talked about before in a couple of shots actually really looks like Harvey Dent, which I think is just a case of having the same animators working on the project. Additionally, I just feel like there's a certain sweet irony to a fire axe being the cause of a fire starting. Right. Anyway, Bullock passes out from the smoke as the robbers flee the warehouse, but Batman is able to grab him and, using the bat grappling hook, take him to safety via the skylight in the roof. After which, we cut back to the interrogation room where Hackle is berating the other cops, theorizing that the real reason Bullock went in early was to steal the cash for himself. Gordon and Hackle get into an argument in front of everyone, which led me to think, come on, guys, nope. Fighting in front of the kids? It's unprofessional. That being said, the whole my two dads dynamic in this scene is very much of its time. It's really picking up the slack since the sitcom My Two Dads was actually canceled the year before this episode came out. Somebody's got to do it. Also, this episode perpetuates the myth that internal affairs officers are inherently bad people. I think they actually serve a really important purpose in law enforcement. But after all the yelling is done, Hackle ultimately is skeptical of Bullock's version of the story, for good reason and gets in Wilkes' face and demands to hear his take on what happened. Wilkes insists that he and Montoya were not late to the sting, and his scene picks up starting from the point where they arrived at the warehouse. You can tell through both the animation and the voice acting that Wilkes is a timid character. Definitely, he seems kind of green. He is the rookie after all. 
But rookie or not, Wilkes tells the story of how he pursued two suspects running out of the warehouse. As soon as he pursued them into an alley, they had already reached their escape car, which was hidden in the back of a moving truck and is significantly less impressive than a fold-away dumpster. <laughs> the thieves then proceed to try and run him over before Batman appears and disables the car by doing what Wilkes describes as throwing sparks from his fingertips. He's actually just throwing a handful of caltrops, which are a pointy sort of device meant to always land point up. If you've ever seen a four-sided die, they're kind of like that. Then he says Batman pointed his fingers and a ray shot out of his hand, allowing him to wrench the door off. This is just Batman using the grappling hook with an electrified cable, which I don't understand how it allows him to wrench the door off. Maybe the door is made of small explosives or something. And then Batman disables a thug just by pointing at him, which in reality is just Batman throwing a batarang. I think Wilkes has heard some tall tales about Batman, as he seems to think that he has superhuman powers. Either way, in the darkness, everything Batman is doing seems like magic to Wilkes. And he even highlights his ignorance of the hero by calling him the Batman. Which sounds so unnatural to my ears. Yeah, it's super weird. Back in the interrogation room, Wilkes describes how Batman interrogated one of the criminals after apprehending him. Wilkes couldn't hear what the man said except for a single word that sounded like duck. At this point, Hackle insists that Wilkes isn't telling him the whole truth. And when Montoya speaks up to defend her partner, Hackle turns his attention to her. And despite her being the most well-spoken of the bunch, Hackle interrupts her. And Gordon has to defend Montoya's right to tell her side of the story. Also, for some reason, I think the animation in this scene makes Gordon look like a cartoon cat. And I officially cannot unsee Commissioner Garfield. <laughs> when she's finally allowed to continue, Montoya insists that they were on time. They arrived at the warehouse and Bullock was down. So she told Wilkes to pursue the suspects outside while she went into the burning building. Approaching the thugs, she overheard someone say the name Hathcock. The thugs caught sight of her, but before she could apprehend them, a stack of paint cans exploded and her shotgun was knocked out of her hands. The thugs approached her with a drill, but Batman arrived and stopped them. Montoya also throws some sick shade on Bullock's story in this scene, saying Batman must have caught a second wind after Bullock dragged him out because he was in rare form. But before Montoya can cuff the thugs, the roof collapses and Batman shoves her out of the way of the falling timbers, which fall on him instead. Cut back to the present. Hackle is unsympathetic and reviews that the three officers have told him two different stories, meaning one or more of them is lying. He suspends all three of them from duty until he's made his decision, and the officers give up their badges and weapons and leave without saying anything. And what I noticed here is that except for the somber music as they give up their badges, the interrogation room scenes are devoid of background music, creating a stark contrast with the flashback action scenes. Yeah, it really makes those scenes stand out from the rest of the episode. Yeah, from the rest of the series so far. After this, we cut to a scene of Montoya riding on the Gotham City train where she's trying to figure out the meanings of the word Doc Hathcock. It shows a close-up of her notepad, and she seriously spells Doc D-O-Q-U-E in one place at the top. Like, that was the first thing she thought of with the spelling of Doc. Maybe English is a second language? Maybe she's French. Maybe she's French-Canadian. <laughs> the episode won't give us an answer to that question. However, glancing out the window, she sees Gotham Harbor and realizes that maybe Hathcock isn't a person, but a place, specifically a dock on the Gotham Harbor. 
Instead of calling the police, she decides to go in alone. Which, uh, come on, Montoya, you're better than that. You ain't got nothing to prove. I just want to make a note here. Sometimes Montoya is drawn more feminine and sometimes more masculine. There isn't really consistency in her facial structure at times. We will definitely see that later as well. But sure enough, when she gets to the docks, she sees the name Hathcock on one of the warehouses and sneaks up to look through a window where she sees Batman alive and hanging by his wrists from the ceiling. Yeah, he's just hanging there like he's done this a thousand times. He's very comfortable. Well, he is a grown man who dresses in leather and has a ton of weird toys. This is probably pretty vanilla for him. Mm. <laughs> well, Batman is hanging there looking nonplussed, the thugs have taken his utility belt and one of them is trying to pry it open and see what fun toys he has inside, which causes it to spray him in the face with pink paint, allowing Montoya to sneak in undetected using a lockpick. As Montoya's sneaking in, we hear Batman ask where the boss is. Is he going to keep me hanging around all day? Har, 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 har. I suppose it was probably too much to hope for the quality of the one-liners to continue after the alligators in the last episode. But the thugs, assuming Batman isn't long for this world, inform him that the boss is already there, watching from a ship's railing. At this, Batman smiles and says that's all he wanted to know, and then ejects a small blade from his gauntlet and frees himself from his restraints. Here we have another great section of music. It's very intense, and we're hearing variations on the theme. After freeing himself, Batman easily dispatches one of the thugs and turns towards another who pulls a gun on him before Montoya attacks the thug from behind. She throws this guy like 20 feet. Can we please get her a costume already? Oh, you're going to have to wait till 2006. In the DC comic arc 52, Montoya becomes The Question, a faceless vigilante. Well, even though she's not a superhero yet, Batman and her team up, with Batman explaining that he allowed himself to be captured in order to get close to the boss. At this point, the rest of the thugs attack the duo, and Batman steps right up to the challenge. And you remember JR talking about the consistency of Montoya's facial animation earlier? Well, it's really great here. It's She makes maybe the best face I've seen in this series so far. Seriously, if you watch one scene from the Blu-ray, watch this one. In this section, as the thugs are running towards them, you can hear a trumpet flutter tongue, which is kind of a trick with brass instruments, which I can demonstrate with my trombone right now. Unsurprisingly, Montoya is also able to hold her own, and most of the thugs are taken out quickly. One of the thugs prepares to attack Montoya by doing some weird bird of paradise mating dance. Cha-cha real smooth. Yeah, it was super weird, but just as things are starting to look like they're going well for our heroic duo, one of the thugs grabs a machine gun and starts firing it at them. Yeah, this guy has the worst aim ever. I don't know how you miss people with a machine gun. Also, Batman throws a table so hard at this point that a thug's head goes through it. And I don't know of any table that can do that easily, so I'm pretty sure that thug dies late. Oof. After this, Batman takes Montoya up to the cab of a nearby loading crane and tells her to take shelter inside, allowing him to face the rest of the gang alone, until Montoya uses the loading crane to drop a crate onto the dock, which tears a hole in it and catapults the remaining thugs into the water, demonstrating that Montoya clearly has experience operating heavy machinery because cranes are complicated. With his thugs dispatched and knowing he's beaten, 
The boss runs aboard the ship and tries to escape. At this moment, the last remaining thug, Driller from earlier, voiced by Ron Perlman, tries to run Batman over with a forklift, but Batman overpowers him, takes control of the forklift, and drives it off the pier where it punches a hole in the ship's hull. Now I want you to imagine, there's tense music, his cape is rippling behind him, all I can think is Power Wheels. You know that old commercial for Power Wheels? That's all I could think of. Batman driving the forklift may be the single funniest scene I've seen in this series so far. I actually laughed out loud. It, Yeah. It's also presented so seriously, which I love. Yeah. And then in the back of my mind, just pow, pow, power wheels. <laughs> After sending the forklift careening off the dock and punching a hole in the ship, it begins to sink. So the boss jumps back onto land. Still unwilling to accept being captured, he tries to escape, but Montoya catches him with the crane's claw. By the way, in this scene, the boss is depicted as wearing a monocle and he has a cane, because apparently we needed a quick visual shorthand for old-timey gang boss. Also here, Montoya gives Batman a thumbs up in a super cheesy way. After all this, we skip forward slightly in time, with the gang apprehended and being hauled off by the cops. And again, Gordon calls Batman the Batman. Still sounds so unnatural to my ears. Also, even though the sting money was recovered, Hackle is objecting that Montoya acted without orders while she was still under suspension. But Gordon is having none of this and has completely lost his patience with Hackle, telling him to back off and declaring the internal investigation closed, which I don't actually think police commissioners can do. It seems really weird. But he reinstates Montoya, Wilkes, and Bullock all at once. Montoya takes the high road and chooses to honorably share credit with her teammates. And I want to call out a nice visual detail that happens here because Bullock has a different style of badge than Wilkes and Montoya since he's a detective and they're both street cops. Sometimes they get the details right. And with that, we reach the end of the episode. In this episode, we never see Batman as Bruce... Maybe his suit was at the dry cleaners. And this is also the first without Alfred. I miss Butler Daddy already. Let's be honest here. The suit wasn't at the dry cleaners. Alfred was cleaning it. That's why we don't see Bruce Wayne or Alfred in this episode. Oh, that makes sense. And before we give our ratings, I just want to give a shout out to our episode sponsor, this episode of Re-DCAU is brought to you... But not really. ...by the number one supplier of warehousing vehicles in Gotham. Fork off forklifts! Whether you need to move boxes, bad guys, or just go way faster than any forklift has a right to go, they've got you covered. If it's good enough for Batman, it's good enough for anyone. Time is limited, however, so don't miss the boat on this deal. Order now and use promo code BATJUMP at checkout, and they'll also send you a free sample of pink spray paint... Perfect for pranking anyone snooping through your things without permission. Fork off forklifts. They're, They're forking, forking fantastic. fantastic. And on to our ratings. Honestly, this is one of the best episodes we've had so far, in my opinion. It was well-paced. It had good characters. I give this one 8 out of 10 cows. Yeah, it had a good story and really great music. The one note I do have about it is all the scene changes. It was very difficult for us to make notes for this episode. So I give it an eight and a half out of 10. Nice. Join us for the next episode of Re-DCAU, Forgotten. 
In the meantime, if you enjoyed the podcast and want to experience more of JR and I, you can find us streaming every Sunday together where we play horror games at twitch.tv slash hpbraincase. And to support the podcast and everything else we do, you can pledge over at patreon.com slash hpbraincase. I've been HP Braincase. And I'm JR Skinny Cat. And may your nights be dark and your cows be red. Ingrid Olio. Is it Oliu? Oliu. 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 He even suggests that one or more of the offices. Offices? Offices! (laughs) 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 Where is she, Joker? Also, just a couple of quick notes here. Bullock is a surprisingly capable fighter, given how much of an asshole he is. True. Uh, We don't talk like that on this show. (laughs) Either way, in the darkness, everything is bad. Everything is Batman. Everything in is the darkness, Batman. everything is Batman. That's your lesson for this week, kids. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, so get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Which I can demonstrate with my trombone right now. Wah. <laughs> <laughs> That's going in the bloopers.